Biggs dill pickle seeds are the greatest thing since sliced bread. Change my mind. This is your host, Jordan Risky of the Nimrods Podcast, brought to you by Risky Outdoors and Prime Archery. Also, Apex Gear. Get over there, buy some of the sweet bow accessories. Use the promo code Risky, R I S K E. Receive an additional 20% off of your purchase um, and use their stuff. It's good. Um, this week, we're going to pick apart our opening week of deer season. Um, which did not disappoint. We had a nice cold front, cold front blow through the great state of Michigan. Um, and Jake and Cassandra and I both had an opportunity to get out a couple times and enjoy um, opening week. So without further ado, we're going to jump into this one. All right. So I am here with Cassandra and Jake, the whole crew, ready to rock and roll. Um Opening week of deer season started out pretty slow. I think for all of us, just weather. Um, my first sit wasn't when that was Wednesday or Thursday. I think Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. Thursday night, Jake and I ended up making it out um, after we got out of work. Um, Cassandra just had her first sit a couple days ago. Saturday. Saturday evening. Mine can be summarized that I didn't see a deer, and it was pouring down rain and cold. <laughs> So there's my first hunt. <laughs> Solid start to the 2019 get, hunting season. Get that one out of the way. Exactly. I'm going to go with that. And that was on our the swamp. And it was a swamp indeed. Yeah. So the swamp property. Yeah. Um, my first sit was on our family farm, which um, Jake, you hunted it quite a bit last year. Um, I did. I did. And yeah. that was during the archery season because we don't have very many archery hunters Essentially, it was like Jake was it last year on it, and the first person to actually get out there in probably five or six years. We just, it's not a, a really good piece of property to hunt, um, especially with beans. Beans, it's horrible. Um, no cover, it's field edges. Um, but when there's corn, you have a better chance of seeing some deer and holding bigger deer. Early season, beans are great. We have a lot of bucks on there, but. As soon as those beans turn, deer are gone. So my first sit out there was uh, very eventful, um, just like Cassandra's. I did not see a single deer my very first sit. So what about you, Jake? Yeah, so I was across the field, right, um, kind of in a, like, a, like a, I mean, you guys call it a gravel pit, but it's kind of a point in this of like an island of trees sort of in a big field and and uh a, there's a line where the cornfield starts and then it's kind of like just tall grasses in between these like kind of pond area and stuff and i brought in the lone wolf climbed up and i was all set up and crazy windy night we, we thought it was going to be the reason why we like scrambled and made like the jumped out of work a little early and got over there is just because the conditions are looking so sweet for thursday friday and i think saturday too but it just got i think it just got too windy like it was 14 15 mile an hour winds just rocking and rolling and all that corn up i just don't think they're moving yeah so neither neither of us saw anything I, i climbed down i'm like packing up my my climbing sticks and my my stand and i kind of look up and it's like kind of sort of dark and there's a doe running like like running from something she's on a, she's on a freaking mission she's gonna run into me and at like five at like five yards i like like oh my word like move a little bit and she like freaks out because i moved and know i was there and blasted away from me so 
I sort of, I mean, I'm going to count. Obviously, I saw something, so I'll take it. But uh, yeah. Yeah, we had high hopes. There was a couple nice nice bucks on camera, like kind of right in that, those pin, that pinch point, and then in the back where you were kind of in that low spot. But, yeah, um, yeah, we had high hopes. And I, I thought it was like a... I thought it was a slam dunk. Like, I really did. I was, my confidence was so high going into that evening. I thought you were going to kill that buck. I posted on social media, someone's killing this deer in the next 48 hours. It's pretty like, bold. It was bold, but everything was perfect. But yeah, like, kind of where we were sitting, I, it's not a funnel, but it, it kind of is like a funnel. And that wind just started whipping down through there. And it got super windy. It let up for like, minutes and then it just picked right back up um and then friday supposed to be really really good friday yeah like you said friday and saturday were supposed to be really good um hunts and um i don't know that i made it out did we make it out friday yeah we did dude yeah Yeah, you guys did i was coming back from a work trip in chicago and you and jake both went out was that the night friday night that was your night that i saw that's when we yeah yeah so that Friday night, Jake and I went out again. So hang and hunt, both of us. Um, Jake and his lone wolf, and I am in a saddle. We typically wouldn't. This year, we were being very conservative on hunting the swamp because, excuse me, we have five bucks that we would shoot this year. Essentially, there's five shooters, and we weren't going to push into the back of the property, but conditions were right. First weekend, we got to got to make a crack at it. And two of our biggest framed deer were going through this opening area that Jake and I kind of cleared some trees out of. So Jake hung up right there. Um, We had pictures of Merlot and another good buck further back in the property. So I walked the creek back, got up in my saddle, and before I even got set, I had does walking under me. I had two small bucks walk right underneath me. I think it was by 6.30, I think I passed up four bucks already. Um, it was just a, it was a great, great evening. We had a good, strong north wind. And all of our trail camera pictures, um, looking back, were um, deer were moving on a north wind. So that's kind of why Jake and I pushed in. Um, then that later that evening, I had another small buck come in. And right behind him was the the buck that we're after for last last year and this year was Merlot. Um, just a, a great deer. Hung up at 20 yards. I had the recurve. And I had no shots. Like, we have video of him. And I just, there was no, no way I could get a shot. I had one angle where I could have shot him, like, in the neck. And I'm just, I wouldn't take that shot even with a compound bow. So, um 20 minutes having him in front of you at 20 yards was heartbreaking and then he kind of turned and went off to about 30 40 yards and he stood out there for another 20 minutes so essentially i had this buck 40 minutes in front of me the best is that he's literally looking like right at the camera taunting you the entire time yeah yeah the sweet some sweet footage so that was that was basically it i was super bummed to be honest with you i thought like my hunt my hunt was, but you know, after the night before, we get kind of skunked, and after, you know, crazy high expectations and, and a bold statement claim. Exactly. But, <laughs> on social media for told, the public to see. Yeah. 
I think he, you know, he picked you up at our house and told Anna, there's a 75% chance Jake shoots fuck tonight. <laughs> <laughs> like, we don't see anything, right? Yeah, I was that night, confident. The next day in the swamp, like, I hang up, and same deal. They're moving it, like, I mean, when you, we're hunting the back of the property, it takes us a solid half hour to get back there, and another, like, when I'm in my stand it takes another like 15 or 20 minutes to get like totally set up and up in the tree and it wasn't two minutes after getting like sitting sitting down and comfortable with my bow i'm you know ready to go i'm ready like and does are coming through and i think i saw it was double digit does it was like 10 or 12 does and like two bucks one was a tiny little little fork and then another one kind of snuck behind me and I didn't really get good eyes on him but he was probably he was still a, a pretty young buck so um but there was movement all over the place they're walking I mean they're coming from almost multiple different directions like it was just a prime night man and they kind of moved they were moving late too and I remember texting you you said you saw Merlot late and you're, we're both going to like sit until they kind of cleared out because we didn't want to blow anything out on our way out too. Yeah. And I think that was another that was another win. I felt really good because I don't feel like we ruined anything. We 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 got it in there. We got out of there as strategically as we could. Get yep. a win that up. And we didn't blow anything out. Like last year, we were just trying to learn the property as much as we possibly could. And mm-hmm. That led to. <laughs> I yeah. don't know how many times you're blowing deer out of places and stuff. Oh, we're trying to yeah. figure the thing out. You know? We were we were all over that property, but we said that. I mean, I, we were just trying to figure out where deer were, and we were we were aggressive almost to the point like guys hunting public land would be aggressive, and we were pushing into areas that we shouldn't have last year, but this year very strategic, and it paid off on our very first hunt. I mean, we both were on deer. <laughs> And we've been, I've been staying out of there in the mornings, haven't touched it in the morning. I haven't had a morning hunt yet. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that next morning, actually, our neighbor shot a really nice eight point and it ran onto our property and he couldn't, couldn't find it. He hit it way back. So, yeah, it hit that river and basically said, not another drop of blood after that. Yeah. So I think he either liver got shot and it's dead somewhere along that river. That you were kind of set up on, Jake, so right there along the west side. But, or hope that it survived and yeah. it's going to make it through the season. But I saw, uh, I went in there because she told me that it ran through that opening, so I was going to pull, I pulled that trail camera thinking that I would get a picture of that deer running by it, and there was no deer on there. So he must have skirted along the edge of the river, along that little uh, patch of trees but i have a picture of that deer walking through at 10 30 at night so two and a half hours after you and i left he he came out and walked through that opening and he was a really big he's a good buck i don't know if it's yeah. the one he shot but it's definitely the one of the ones that we have a picture of yeah, that deer's so, a stud. yeah. never fails right when you got a stand the buck oh, yeah. comes two hours later and it's all on camera and he's looking right at it broadside to your tree stand oh, yeah <laughs> So then Saturday was, Jake, you went to the football game. Um, yep. Watched U of M kick some butt. And then uh, Sonner and I went out, and it rained that evening. I passed up a little, little spike at 
literally two steps. He walked underneath me in my saddle, and then I saw two does, and then it was raining, and we did not see a thing after that. Saturday was definitely slow. I saw a lot of chipmunks and squirrels, but (laughs) I'm anxious to get to Sunday, Jordan. I think that's where uh, we got some cool stories going on here. Yeah, so then Sunday... um, I went back to Concord for a birthday party. Um, Brad, who's been on here in a couple of the group conversations, um, and his little boy turned one, so we had the birthday party. And then um, Gavin, my nephew, wanted to go out, and I was going to take him out to our family farm where Jake and I went, and we've seen a couple good deer. Um, so took Gavin out there, and he wanted to set up on that same kind of the same spot Jake did. Um, so I sat him there, and I kind of went across the field and I, where I could still see Gavin. And I was just going in there simply just for, like, an observation-type set and just kind of keep an eye on, on the kiddo. And, uh, All right, let's, can, we, can we press pause real quick? Yeah. So, well, I mean, not on the recording. I'm going to talk about it <laughs> yeah. real quick. Okay. Yeah. So I text, similar deal. I had a really good buddy. had a had a kid's birthday party at like three o'clock so i was toast couldn't hunt i text jordan hey man any action and i get this cheesy like pitch selfie from the stand (laughs) of him and like a brown it was like a brown or green cap red and white flannel t-shirt and he's funny i mean he's hunting in a tree with a flannel t-shirt and i said is that your like is that your recurve in the background too and then I get a picture of the recurve and I'm like man and Cassandra and I have talked about this multiple times now like every time you take that thing I'm excited for you I hope to get it done and all that but like at the same time I'm like what if a monster comes exactly anything beyond 20 yards what do you do yeah we're both like we for me I can't understand it yet and maybe someday I will after I shoot some big ones like you have or something but I'm just, I'm, I can't do it, right? I can't rationalize this in my mind. So he's got his recurve. He's in flannel, flannel shirt. I'm like shrugging it off, right? Get home from his birthday party. I'm sitting on the couch. I get a call. It's Jordan. I was like, oh, cool. Maybe he shot something. And, I, I, and you're like hyperventilating on the phone. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I just shot. Oh, my word. I smoked him, man. Big. I think I just shot the big one in the camera. Go, can you go pick up Cassandra? I was like, yeah, I'm on my way, man. And that was it. Hang up. And we're on, on the way. Um, I'll let you take it over from there. But it was, <laughs> it was... I couldn't believe it, right? I'm like, he's in a flannel shirt. He's on his rear curve. And I get this sweet phone call and then the festivities really get rolling <laughs> and honestly and Walmart tennis shoes too can't forget those oh I forgot about the tennis too yeah <laughs> just complete redneck up in the tree hey oh, in your saddle but Jake if you rem- remember our on our way to the swamp we were talking about the recurve situation and I said that I feel like I am just as, um, I don't know, is it competent with a recurve to 20 yards that I, as I am with my compound? But I think, too, like in my mind, it, it's hard because you think of a compound, you're pulling back how much weight? 70 pounds. 70 pounds. Like, what does that equivalent to in a recurve? Like I'm, at, I'm pulling 60, r- right at 60 pounds with my yeah, recurve. Yeah, so like that's the thing is there's no sights. There's no hold. It's not like you can... There's no- 
there's no drawback when the deer, you know, turns and you've got this hedgerow that you got to wait for. I mean, it's, it's complete, it's complete different. And I know instinct. the thing is, I know how much you practice with that thing. To be honest, how <laughs> I can't even tell you how many basement. Like I mean, we'd be watching TV, and all of a sudden he just goes down in the basement to shoot his recurve, and uh, then he'll come back a couple hours later. I'm like, how? What is the point of shooting at ten or fifteen yards for yeah. hours? So and I, I don't want anybody to hear me as like thinking that Jordan's like an idiot for going out there. <laughs> I'm not questioning your competency at twenty yards. I'm just when I think about it, I'm like, how many deer have we seen? at 30 40 50 yards where you're like or even like as a bow hunter right 60 70 yards yeah you're like, if i had a shotgun that deer would be slammed right mm-hmm. now but here you are like taking out this tool which is you're gonna kill a deer at 20 yards you can and i don't doubt for a minute you're less accurate or whatever at yards of that thing in the compound but it's just a totally different new challenge i'm pumped for you that's just something you're all all in on, but I just I'm not there yet. Yeah. I don't have curve, but um, I get I still it. Need technology to to help me get over the hump. I think I'm not ready to give up that. <laughs> <laughs> Neither am I, Jake. Hey, I I I get it, but like I got on this kick probably two and a half years ago. Um, Cassandra's dad actually gave me uh, an old Shakespeare recurve. I shot it a lot, and then the limb started to crack. So I went like a year and a half without shooting a recurve. And I talked to Cassandra. I was like, I really want one. Um, and she ended up getting me one for Christmas. And um, it's I, I fell in love with it. I love shooting it. I became way more accurate with my compound bow after really learning how to shoot my recurve. Um, it was like a confidence thing. And... I I don't know. I, I don't even know how to explain why I would take it out there. Um, other than other than the fact that I I just like put in so much work and it's like, man, I, I didn't do all that work for nothing. I got to try. But I will say this. I would not have killed that buck on Sunday if it were not for a tree saddle. Would not have happened. So that's the one thing about the mobile setups that I am like, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in. Like I'm sold. I'm, I'm doing it from here on out. You can move and get closer to where you see deer within a matter of minutes rather than a tree moving a tree stand, and you're doing it with essentially more than half of less of sound than you are when you're moving a tree stand. I have sticks that I can throw up. I can get up in a saddle and sit there, and I'm, I'm pretty dang quiet. So I can get in close. I shot this deer. So I'll, I'll kind of – should I explain kind of how the setup was or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we had a strong west wind. We have this area. It's called the valley. So it's a big dip in a cornfield, cornfield that funnels back into a swamp. So – I walked down through that valley, which is known for a lot of deer coming out of that valley. Well, I sat in that valley on Thursday night when Jake and I went out and didn't see a deer. So my dad used to have a tree stand further down to the west of the field, and he would see a lot of deer there. So I went down this valley, up the west side, west hill, and I started to go down 
the hill further to the west. So I have a cornfield on my right, swamp on my left. I'm walking into the wind. So I'm not really going to, like all the wind's blowing straight into my face. So we have this stand. It's called the antenna stand at the top of that hill. And where I've been seeing deer in the past, I don't hunt this very often, but you know, five, six years ago, all these deer were moving a little bit further, probably 30 yards from that antenna stand. Well, I knew that I wasn't going to get a shot with my recurve. So I set up 10 yards to the west of that antenna stand, literally 10 yards. And that deer came out 20 yards from me when I shot him, 20 yards to the west. So wind was in my favor. It was it was absolutely perfect. And I would not have killed that deer if it was not for having a saddle. So are you going to kind of go into depth on kind of how, how it happened that night? Yeah. So I walk in, obviously when I go in the long way, wind in my face, get set up. Swamp is behind me. We don't own the swamp. So I have to wait for this deer to get out on the edge of this field. So we own, I don't know, probably five, ten yards into this this patch of timber and then the, the cornfield. So I'm set up. This deer's coming through. He hits like my first opening and well I'll back up. So an eight point an eight point comes in and starts raking a tree. I get it all on video. It's pretty cool to watch. So light's kind of fading. It's 650 and in the timber it gets darker a lot earlier. I think sunset was 715. And so this eight point comes in, starts raking this tree, and it's behind me in the swamp. And I can see him. I'm videotaping him. And I hear something in front of me. I turn and look in the cornfield, and a spike's coming through the cornfield. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. So the spike kind of steps into the woods, and then I hear that eight point start fighting another buck. The it's spike, crazy. It's that, this early, and they're fighting. Crazy. So the spike's standing right there on the edge of the woods, the eight points further back, fighting another buck that I can't see, so I have no idea what it is. And then I hear something again in front of me, so I turn, and here comes like a little six point out of the corn. So essentially I have four bucks pretty dang close to me. This eight point starts working his way out of the woods, gets to the field edge and starts sparring with a six point. This is all to my west, so the wind is perfect for me right now. And I know that if there's a mature buck and it does the same thing as that eight point, I'm gonna have a pretty good chance of killing him. So I'm watching these two bucks spar, and this spike is probably 20, 30 yards into the timber, comes just running out, like something spooked it. So I get ready, I'm like, okay, this is gonna be that buck. I call him like the ghost buck because I didn't see him yet. So here comes this deer and all I see is his body. He's a super, I could tell he was a, a mature deer. He made these other two, three deer look very small. So I didn't even get a good look at his antlers. I just knew that it, it was a mature buck. And he comes in, hits my first opening and I have the cameras on him. I hit him with a soft little grunt, and he doesn't, like a little bleat, and he doesn't stop. So I was like, oh, crap. So you can see I have like a second angle on me. I grab the camera, move the camera over to my next opening, which is probably five yards further, and he hits that opening, 
and he's kind of moving a little bit slower. So I, I draw back. I first like kind of put my fingers on my string because I, I string it's called string walking so like closer to the distance you kind of have like almost like sights but you're you measuring your finger distance from your actual knock so I'm like okay he's at 20 yards so I have my like a mark on my fingers that I kind of slide down the string so hits that opening I draw back I see his right shoulder move forward and I let him have it and I I could see my arrow hit him what looked to be absolutely perfect. I hear him running through the cornfield, just like crashing. And I look up, and out across the cornfield is Gavin. He stands up and like starts walking back to the truck. And it's like it's still pretty dang light out. So I'm trying to I'm trying to like figure out like what is he doing? So I call Josh first. I'm like, Josh, I just shot a, a really good deer with my recurve. And you were not that calm first off. <laughs> oh, I was not calm. No way. I was freaking out. So oh. I call Josh. I'm like, Josh, I just shot one. He's like, I'm on my way. I said, no, I'm going to come back to the house. I want to let it lay for a little bit because obviously I'm not going to get nearly as much penetration as I would with a compound bow. Um, and I wanted to let him lay for a minute. And then I called Jake, and I'm freaking out with Jake. I was like, you need to pick up Cassandra, get down here, meet me at Josh's. So then I'm, like, trying to call Gavin, and I can't get a hold of Gavin. So I get down, I pack up all my gear, pack up my sticks, and I start walking through the cornfield. Don't look for blood. Don't look for my arrow, nothing. I'm just trying to get out of there. So where this deer ran, it ran east. So I didn't want all my wind, like, if he laid down blowing... I didn't want to go back out the way I came in just because I didn't want to bump him or jump him or anything like that. So I just beeline it straight across this cornfield. And I get back to the car, and Gavin comes just running up to me and just gives me, like, this big all hug. It was, like, one of the coolest moments. Like, my little nephew was so pumped. And he's like, I, I got back. I got up. I heard something fall in the cornfield. He goes, and I couldn't get a hold of you. My phone was dying. I needed to charge it. He goes, I called my dad because I thought you fell out of your tree. That's what he thought happened. So then from there, Gavin and I get back. We drive back to Josh's, um, pull up the camera, looked at the footage, and it was it was what, what I thought. It was perfect. <laughs> and the crazy part is he was, I mean, Jake picked me up, and I'm freaking out. I mean, you called me, and I just thought maybe you're having a slow night, going to pick us up and go back, you know, go home. And mind you, we're in Concord, so it's Sunday night. I have a bright and early meeting. We live in Kalamazoo, and um, so Jake picked me up. And, of course, then we get there, and Jordan's like, we got to let it, let him lay. Got to let him lay. So I feel like that was the longest hour, hour and a half that ever happened. I'm like, what are we going to go look for this thing? The video is perfect. Of course, Jordan's overanalyzing it over and over and over. And every single person's like, that's a dead deer. That's a dead deer. But we had to keep letting them wait till the entire town of Concord gathered, prepping to go recover this deer. So How many had, total? How many did we have? We had... There was you two, Josh, Andy, Stetson, Brad, neighbor... And, and then Laddie like, came out. So and then you yeah. and then me so and nine, Gavin. Nine, ten people. Ten people. It's an event. Ten it's people. Like, this is like the classic, perfect, like 
if you could explain it to a not like a non-hunter why we love and live for this so much it's like a community thing it is you know like your family your friends literally neighbors that are also friends of course right all getting together all getting super pumped high-fiving fist pumping handshaking looking at the video talking over having some celebratory you know adult beverages and then heading out to the field together like it's just this like oh so cool we've all anybody who's hunted and been around it long enough has been a part of this type of stuff right but like it's it was so cool. Plus, of course, we you know we found him blood for what do you think, like 200, 250 yards. Yeah, like that. he went a long ways, which was surprising. But we had great blood the entire time, like great blood. Um, yeah, and he ended up being a I think he's a tw- he's got twelve scoreable points. It's a twelve pointer. Twelve pointer. Um, okay. He's got a, a big flyer off his G2. He's got a split brow tine. Um, just a, a really cool buck. I mean, by no means is he like a mega giant. Um, my biggest Michigan buck, and it happens to be with a recurve, which is pretty cool. Um, and it's On the family farm, right? On the family farm. That's the, yep. that's the largest deer that I've ever seen down there while hunting. And I've that's really cool. Yeah, I've hunted that since I was a kid. I mean, other than the years that I went back to or moved out of state, but that was it was so cool. And just to to do it with like traditional equipment too was next level. Um, It was, I mean, I shot a great buck in Illinois last year. Scored 150 inches, and. I don't know which one I'm more excited about, to be honest with you. A 120-inch Michigan buck or 150-inch Illinois buck? It's it's weird. It's the same, it's the same thing. Like, again, don't hunt. Me, I understand this fully, but like we talked about our buddy John Shively a while back, right? He's got a couple 150-inch bucks on the wall. One he shot, two of them he shot with a gun, one he shot with a bow. And the one he shot with the bow is considerably smaller, probably 10 inches smaller than the rest of them, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that was, he's more proud of these other ones, right? Yeah. But not, man, not at all. It's because of the bow. It's just, just something more, something that just makes it so much more special and intimate Yeah. when it's done with a more challenge, in a more challenged scenario. And I feel like you did it stepping from a compound even back to like a, a like a recurve. I was trying to tell my wife, I was trying to tell Anna, like, what this recurve, she doesn't know anything about anything, right? And I'm trying to, like, like it's these, it's the basically the bows we used at, like, church camp or summer camp when you were all shooting or shooting gym class. Like, it's yeah. basically a nicer version of that. Like, yeah. They're so sticking a string. Pulling it back. <laughs> yeah, there's no let off. Like, it's just, and you earned it, man. I mean, you put in the time and the effort and, like Cassandra said, shoot in the basement for hundreds of hours or whatever it was. And it was, uh, man, I'm still just so jacked. It's such a cool deal. It's, Seeing that go down. Oh. It was crazy. And uh, they, everyone's been asking me, like, what's what's the score? It's like, I, I can care less. But they did officially score him. He scored 121 and a quarter. So no, no mega giant, but... Pope and Young, Michigan Buck with a recurve. And self-filmed with and self-filmed. two cameras going in a tree saddle. 
in, with a flannel in shirt. Or flannel shirt <laughs> and Walmart tennis shoes. I did have yeah, some. The, I, list, the <laughs> listeners really should be jacked here, right? Because you got it on film. It's going to be out with the Risky Outdoors and release stuff. So it's going to be sweet. Like, it was a really, really cool story, and it's fully documented. Exactly. Um, it's going to be sweet. <laughs> it, was, it was cool. And it was... I mean, just having, like, everybody there, that was, like you said, that's why we do this. It's shooting him and recovering him and being able to eat, you know, all this meat that he's going to provide, all awesome. But, like, the community aspect of it, Sonner and I didn't get home and in bed till 2 a.m. And taxidermists, Danny and Emily Weeks at Nature's Pride Taxidermy, opening up their shop at... 10 30 11 o'clock at night so that i could come over and hang out and just tell my story and it, it was it was awesome and then brad taking it into the processor because i can't travel out of jackson county with it because of the chronic wasting disease and it, it literally was it, it was a community effort and it was it was so cool so awesome I'm just glad you guys were there and both of you had the chance to be a part of it because one, Cassandra suffered a lot of missing movies and criminal minds and law and orders so that I could go down and shoot my bow and Jake just getting his ear pump full of why I why I'm trying to do this. <laughs> now, I will say when when he when we left that Sunday morning to drive home for the birthday we're walking out. I'm like, hey, you forgot your bow because his compound's sitting right there. And he's like, no, I'm going. I'm hunting with my recurve. And I, like Jordan mentioned earlier, I was like, what are you doing? Like, bow hunting's already challenging enough. You know, like, why don't you at least get one under your belt? No offense. Like, maybe get a little uh, confidence. And uh, he responded and just said, I'm not going to shoot it if I don't take it. And just kind of like anything in life, you know, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So you're braver than braver than I am, but... I still can't believe it all happened. It was humble. There's a great story from history about English ships. And it's like you get to your destination with your team, your army or whatever. This is way back. And they're like, we want to keep going. And so the commander like says, burn the ships. They burn the ships. So now they don't have an escape plan. Yep. They have go forward right I love that analogy or I love that story and you can plug that into anything but like if you eliminate your escape route or your like safety mm-hmm. valve like if you leave the compound at home or you you know what I mean mm-hmm. you have to use it right and that's how you get it done and I'll give you a ton of credit I'm not in a spot where I'm willing to do that yet by any means but you did that and oh such a sweet story it was so, cool it was cool to just have you guys part of it. And I think that back to like the analytical stuff real quick. I think like that deer came out because he had that swamp, which was deep cover. And then he was moving through that timber, which is still cover. You can't see it from any roads or, or literally any there. You, it's just surrounded by corn. This swamp was. And he moved from cover and he was going out to feed in that corn, which is also a cover crop, essentially. So he just felt really safe. And I sat up in that tree because one of past knowledge of deer movement, but two were, it was the two largest deer like trails coming out of that swamp were merging right there. And that's, that's why I picked that spot. But 
just getting back to like the roots, like no cameras back there. I had no camera. Just finding a trail, finding tracks, going off past knowledge and setting up and just hang and bang, kill them. <laughs> yep. So, all right. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate both of you coming on and just chatting with me and recapping. But I think in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some more stories coming from you two harvesting some some bucks out at the swamp because there is a lot of deer out there this year that i'm super pumped about so one of you need to kill one or two for sure and that you know it might not be as exciting i mean i'm not taking a stick and a string i'm taking at least a compound bow (laughs) with sick gear with sick gear it's all it's all matching it's got the sights and everything else but (laughs) Hey, you know what? It's still a challenge. It's still a trophy in my eyes. But I think Jake, I think he, uh, Jordan told you that he's not taking his compound out anymore in Michigan. Was that right? I, I did. I did. Uh, I did hear that. Cassandra. Bold. Not doing I can't bold, bold, but uh, I mean, he's already literally has a deer at the taxidermist with his, you know, mm. stick and string. So I can't really can't bold. say much. Bold move, Cotton. Bold move. We'll see if it pays off. <laughs> all I have to show, just for the record right now, I got. Done, I was climbing down out of the stand that second haunt. I've only been out twice so far. And I, like, I like got some branches caught in my hand or something. I, like, kind of yanked it, and I look, and it's poison ivy. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Are you allergic? Next time, next time you get it, I'll show you. I had it all over my wrist my arm my my forehead feels like it's coming in like Mm. uh, so that's all i got to show right now but oh man i hope i can get rid of this stuff it sucks (laughs) oh that's part of it that's how you know it's hunting season when you're covered in poison ivy yep early Mm. season man that's Mm. right all right well we got some good good weather coming in the next couple weeks so hopefully we get some some deer killed i'm heading up to wisconsin in two weeks this weekend taking cassandra up north so no hunting this weekend but we'll be back after that's right well congrats jordan super pumped for you and honestly well deserved i know how much you put in more time with that bow and the compound and hunting prep than anyone i know so couldn't be happier for someone thanks guys that's a wrap. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you got to enjoy that. Uh, a little breakdown of our first week of the season here in Michigan. Most seasons are off and running. Be safe out there. Use your lineman belt, your whatever it is to get up and down out of the trees. Wear your safety harnesses. If you don't have a safety harness, get one. Um, and if you can't get one, then hunt from the ground. Don't be, don't be an idiot. Don't fall. There's people that want you to come home. So be safe um apex gear get over there promo code risky save you guys a little bit of money um and good luck the rest of the year enjoy it shoot what you want um screw what everyone else thinks of your deer as long as you are happy with it that's what matters um and enjoy it enjoy the season it's only a couple months long so get after it and uh yeah have have some fun it's what it's all about so stay stealthy and strive to become a nimrod